yeah so it's kind of what we've been doing for fun but he's itching to get back to the races he hasn't been in two weeks and apparently that's just too long so yeah gotcha he um I'm, I've been teaching him. He's really likes playing his pick fours and his pick fives. And I've been teaching him, you know, like the whole point of really needing to be cost effective with these things. Sure. So the other day when I was working, it was last Saturday. He's like, oh, I'm just gonna, he's like, I'm just gonna play like a really cheap pick five and see what happens. Uh, he got all the way through it. And then on the last leg, he had a single and his single ran second. And oh, I think he almost paid two grand and he had $20 invested in it. I was like, this is a good, this is a good start for you. So yeah, absolutely. He hit one for 10 grand at Keeneland in the spring. So he's like thinking he's going to hit them all the time now. And I'm trying to explain to him, like, you have to, you have to make it cost effective and not get too in over your head. <laughs> You are listening to another edition of the Goat Zoom Room, three quarters of the way through the Triple Crown. We got the Belmont coming up next weekend and plenty of other things to discuss as well. Caitlin and Andy back here with you once again. And we are joined by a very special guest today, none other than SPN Sean Patrick Nolan. How are you guys doing? Super excited for the rest of the year, but this is just going to be kind of just a chit chat pod, not really talking about too much of the Triple Crown. I think we've had a lot of it lately so excited to be with you guys thanks guys great to be with you tonight the nicest the nicest guy on twitter unless it's hockey or basketball right yeah oh yeah <laughs> i i've gotten better i've gotten better zach <laughs> i've gotten better exactly I, I actually i actually grew up in both the bruins and celtics organizations so it's a little bit more personal for me but I've, I've gotten better i've gotten better you know <laughs> but i'm, I'm glad myself made it know. to the finals now i'm gonna need to know that story but um you know for those people that don't know how'd you get i mean you're pretty avid chariot guy and horse racing guy what, what got your start what what drew you to it to horse racing? Okay, so to, to go back, my dad grew up in Cambridge, Massachusetts and went to uh, BC High, uh, which is right, uh, Cambridge and BC High are right um, in Boston. And um, he used to take the train, the T, well, on the blue line would go directly to Suffolk Downs. So he used to love to go ride the T the over to Suffolk Downs and watch the races and, and uh Needless to say, he was hooked. And uh, ever since I've been a baby, uh, horse racing has just been just been my uh, been my life. And uh, luckily, the passion still as strong as it was uh, when I was a little kid. So uh, it's a it's a great sport, and I love it a lot. What's with uh, with uh, Suffolk Downs closed? What? How do you? go about getting to races or do you just watch it on tv especially if you're still avid at it yeah exactly that, that's that's a little a bit of a tough pill to swallow first we lost rockingham then we then to lose suffolk a couple of years ago was was very tough and uh, obviously feel terrible about that fire uh, last night for them but um so now our home track we we laugh up here we as now saratoga it's not a bad 
not a bad home track to uh, to kind of adopt, if you will. But <laughs> we we, no, we have, a, we have a, a harness track, which is about 15, 20 minutes from me named Plain Ridge, uh, which is not far from me. It's right near Gillette Stadium. Uh, or, uh, but um, in terms of live racing, I, I basically just do my I, I occasionally go down there just to, to get the atmosphere, but I'm usually at home, you know, uh, betting on my, on my TVG or, or something like that. I usually am more watching at home, but it is tough when you don't have a track within like three and a half hours of you. Cause Belmont is, is only like four or five hours away, but the traffic to get from Boston on a weekend is not fun. You know what I'm saying? So, so you're almost on the road more than you are at the track. So where Saratoga is just a straight shot out the Mass Pike, up 87, exit 14, not that I know that, and then you're right at the at the track, you know? So, so it, it's a much easier and accessible. It's only like, for me, it's about three and a half hours. So it, you could, even if you wanted to, just go up for the day, you know, and, and, it, and it could, and it's manageable. Caitlin. Yeah, that's definitely not too bad of a distance. I mean, I guess it's kind of similar to me. My closest track since they got rid of Beulah's uh, Turfway, and it's uh, hour and a half from my house, I would say. Um, and then, of course, Keelan's... What? Isn't uh, Belterra closer to you? No. Because, like, Belterra is, like, off, like, east or west a certain direction so it's not the closest actually okay yeah and then keeneland's two hours and then churchill's like two and a half so they're all kind of right there and then ellison kentucky down there a little bit farther away um i've been to all of them except for ellis i have not been to ellis yet but so out of all the racetracks you've been to and i know you've been to a lot of them which one is definitely your favorite for me, uh, it's definitely Woodbine. Um, I had a that, feeling you were going to say Woodbine. Yeah, what a shock, huh? Exactly. I have a lot of great friends up there. Uh, a lot. I love the. I love. I love the people. I love the track. That turf course is absolutely magnificent. Um, the the inner track is really nice too. But that outer turf, so it's such an unusual experience to actually stand. You're the you stand right next to the turf course. The turf course is actually right next to the grandstand and the clubhouse. And then the track, the main track, the poly track is actually in the middle. And then the inner turf is on the inside of that. So it's, it's such a great experience to watch turf racing literally right up close, you know, which is so, such a unique experience, which I love. And uh, and just the people that I have a lot of great friends up there, and uh, that's definitely I would say that if I had to make it like a top three for me, I would say it's definitely a Woodbine, naturally Saratoga. I, I just love Saratoga. How can you not? And then um, my third would probably be the Maryland circuit. I, I'm a I'm a big Laurel and and uh, and Pimlico and uh, Forrest Boyce and Victor Carrasco and uh, the Trombettas and the. Uh, the Silliman's and, and my friends down there joining. So that's, that's probably my third, uh, third group for sure. That's definitely a 
good jockey quality there. I've never been to the Maryland tracks either. That's some of the only ones I haven't been to. I've been New York, California, Florida, pretty much all around everywhere, but not really some of the smaller ones like that. I've been to Finger Lakes, but that's up in New York and definitely some smaller ones around this area too. But yeah, that that's interesting. Definitely like having those in your top three. I figured you would have said maybe like Keeneland or Churchill or oh yeah, something yeah. Like that. I, I love it. I love the whole I whole love the whole um, uh, uh, Kentucky circuit. You know, Turfway Turfway and I are a love hate relationship. I love oh, to I watch think the races like that with everybody. Yeah, exactly. But man, betting, woo. <laughs> that, that's a tough one you know and it's funny too sometimes too because i want to bet like some of my woodbine friends who come down to turfway and sometimes they say it's interesting those two tracks are actually a little bit different so they're, it's actually hard to, it, very different actually yeah so it's hard to kind of adjust for them as riders when they're down there you know so it's an interesting challenge for them but but i love i love the whole love churchill I mean, is anybody hotter right now than Brendan Walsh? My God, that guy, you know, no, unbelievable. I'm so happy for him, you know, <laughs> I just, uh, but, um, but I, that the whole Kentucky circuit to me, I mean, that's, it's, it's a given. You just have to follow it and it's great racing, you know, so I, I love it. Yeah. Brendan Walsh is, Brendan Walsh is definitely hot right now. Um, Rusty Arnold is super hot right now. So those are definitely two of like the big, big ones that have been getting really good within the past couple of weeks. But here in a couple of weeks, it'll probably be some somebody else. Yeah. You know who I'm also really excited for is my boy Norm Casa. He's his horse. Oh doing yeah. Pretty well, man. I'm 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 psyched for him, you know. My um my Rusty Rusty kills me. Like it, it never it never fails that I'll be live and they'll pick five or pick four and I leave Rusty out of the last leg and he ends up winning the race to the point to where I'm almost gun shy not to add him. Right. Yeah. It, because you never you know he's good. You know he's a good trainer. Oh, absolutely. It's just crazy. Yeah, his whole barn has been live. Yeah, and, and you have you have to respect them. You really do. Yeah, it, that and uh, what is it? Um, the way Brandon is right now. The problem, with, the good thing with Brandon is right now his horses are firing. But now you got to wonder whether or not his horses are going to fire at Saratoga if he sends a string up there, right? Because usually he points for that meet, and all his horses are winning now. So we'll see what happens. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not I'm not really sure which one they'll be primed for if they're still they will still be in good form then. I would be I think a lot of it is maybe the way he's been training his horses over this new turf course and really getting them accustomed to that and I think he wanted to really have them ready to fire on that new service. Oh, absolutely. I I, I think he'll have his, his animals ready. He just seems to be able to adapt. He did a great job at Gulfstream, did a great job at Churchill. I, I, I really think he's also learned, uh, you know, like how to how to adapt to the different services. And I think he's going to I think he's going to have a very good summer coming up up there. I think so. 
A great, great story. Great story about Brendan Walsh, right? It, uh, that I love. He uh, he always, whenever he sees me, he says, "How are you, Sean? Hope are you all well, my friend?" You know. <laughs> and and uh, what do you call it? So I said, I said to him, I said, and th- we, he, there's a four hundred thousand dollar race coming up, right? And I said, I said, uh, well, good luck. You know, I said, I said, you got a big one coming up. Here he goes. I got five entered at Ellis. <laughs> He was, he was, so he's, he's always got his eye on the on the on the prize and what his horses are doing. So even even in the biggest moments, you know, he's a he's a horseman through and through. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, he's he cares about the big ones, the small ones, and everything in between. And uh, Wesley Ward is kind of the same way. I interviewed him the other day, and I was specifically wanting to really talk about Golden Powell because Golden Powell worked a couple of days prior, and I sure. heard the word. Was- is absolutely phenomenal but he was like he was like yeah Colton Powell obviously best horse I ever trained but let's talk about Maven and I'm like Maven okay (laughs) so he's he's just down for all of them whoever's you know the next to run and yeah I, I feel like there's so many trainers that really my thing when I interview trainers is I try to catch them you know, it's harder to catch them on their super like big race, like a stakes before that race. So a lot of times I'll find them like an allowance option planning, ask them one question about the horse centered, then ask them a couple questions about the big entries they've got coming up. So sure. The, the funny part is, is that with Wesley, um, if you go, if you go wherever, like he's got a big string of team one, right? So if you're there and you're clocking his horses or you're just watching it and he thinks you're clocking his horses, He'll go over to you and he'll go. So, what'd you have on that on that on that three horse work that I just did? And you're just like, uh, I wasn't watching. And he's like, uh, the one in the middle is the one I like. And I'm like, okay, well, who's the one in the middle? Well, if you would have caught the work, you'd know. And I'm just like, <laughs> that is like, that is yeah, that is such a thing. He does. He's just like, yeah. I kind of like the one on the outside, you know, the one in the middle kind of went okay, the one in the end disappointed, okay, well, who are they, that's your job, you know, it's kind of like that, and Norm Cass is just a class act, I I find him to be unbelievably one of the nicest human beings in the world. He He is. He's genuine, you know, which is so cool. He he's one of my favorite people to talk to at Churchill. I love going past him and just having, you know, a brief chip chat. And he's like, one thing I really like about Norm is he'll tell you, you know, about his horses and be very candid, be very upfront, but he's not flashy about anything. He's just very humble and just a very run of the mill workman type of guy. So, I mean, I, I really respect that. And I, he's somebody I love chatting with. And I mean, it's obviously great, you know, to chat to somebody a little bit younger when you're spending your day with a bunch of old dudes. What are you <laughs> Wait, hold on. Huh? I fit the, the old dude. I literally can't understand anything you're saying. It sounds like you're in a tunnel. Oh, hold on. I got to take this off. Yeah. I think he's saying he fits the old dude uh, uh, category. I was, say- I was saying that um, I fit the old dude comment well when i'm specifically talking about old dudes i'm talking about like 70 year old men in the gold room at churchill yep andy you don't qualify 
Yeah, because there's a lot of those, and they just like yeah. you know love them. They're the bread and butter of horse racing, but man, in between races, they just be wanting to talk your leg off, and I'm like, you know, short, sweet, to the point. But <laughs> no, my um, when I was clocking horses for Bruno at Keeneland, Norm would come by and we'd sit and chit chat. But to be honest with you, I never knew who he was. I always thought it was Chad Brown. Don't tell him I said that. But <laughs> um, I would sit there and just talk to him. And I would never say his name. I would just sit there. And then one day I'm like, oh, that's Norm. That isn't Chad. <laughs> I was like, for like four weeks, I'm like sitting there thinking I'm talking to Chad and I'm talking to Norm the entire time. That is so funny. <laughs> and they could like not be more different. No, exactly. And then what's really cool is that I remember when Norm first went out on his own, you know, and that's always a tough thing to do. And, uh, and uh, to see how, how far he's come, he's, in, he's doing a great job. Um, he and God, he and Flo are a great combination, you know, and uh, what do you call it? And then uh, he just won with Talamo the other day. I know Louis Saez and he have had very good luck. So he's, he's got, you know, in uh so it's, it's it's great to see him, him uh, winning with different jockeys and different, you know. So it's really good. I would love to know the full story of why he left his dad. To be honest with you, it was time. Oh. It was time. He, he really, he really just wanted to go on his own and uh, see what he could do. You know, um, I, I think with like Teppen and all that stuff, it was great. You know, I mean, he he had a great time, but I think he really just wanted to. To try to see, because obviously being at Woodbine yeah, a, a lot with the people you you see Mark when he was up there, you know, Norm would. But I, I really think Norm wanted to just see what he could do on his own and kind of make his own kind of legacy. And so far, he's doing a damn good job of it. Yeah, I definitely think that's got a lot to do with it. And one of the big name clients I've really been excited to see him take on is the uh, the Whitney horses. That's just so yes. cool. Very cool. And, and that, that made so much to him to win that stakes race with Mary's horse. You know, that was, that was such a big moment for him. You know, when, when bird won the, that was so cool, you know, that was really good. And, and you notice, by the way, interesting too, the other day he won with an Oxley horse. So John Oxley has given him some horses. Yes, he had one the other day. Churchill yeah. than the one you're talking about. Yeah, and that looked and then looked pretty good too. I was like, oh, this is great. Mr. Ockley's giving him some horses. So this is this is a good this is a good thing, you know? No, the kid knows yeah. how to train. The kid definitely knows how to train. It, oh, he does. he does. He does. I jinxed him last year at Saratoga. I was there. Uh, what do you call it? He says, he says, he says, spin, come in the winner's circle if he wins. His, his four to five came in second, and um, ones and twos, uh, what do you call it, ran in the stakes race, and she didn't finish the race. So I was <laughs> – so, but I think I'm back in – No winner's circle again. for you. Yeah, exactly. But I'm back, I think I'm back in as good graces again. Exactly. We had a sharp picture together, so that at least that was good. <laughs> two out of three ain't bad. <laughs> But he's he's a great kid. What um, what's your favorite angle to use for for betting? For me, I I'm 
<laughs> I'm still old school. I love I love betting across. <laughs> I, I I know it's I know it's so old school. Right, exactly. But I'm not one of those people who I mean I, I do sometimes play pick threes and pick fours and stuff, but but I'm one of those people that like um one of my favorite people is Dave Weaver. I I'm like him, right? I like to win now. I want the I want the one race where I can just say, bam, I picked that one, you know. And uh, so I've I've always been old school um in terms of angles. I mean that's always been, but in terms of like races themselves what are my angles in terms of like what i'm looking for in handicapping yeah that too yeah yeah so yeah yeah so in terms my favorite bets are still the like the across and i love doubles and i love exactas and all that stuff i do play tries and stuff i'm not a huge super effective person but i i i like the the old school um in terms of betting uh, like in terms of angles i wouldn't say i have like a certain like like the succinct strategy in terms of um, a, a lot of times I'll look and, and it's so important. I think more today than anything is what horses like the track that you're, that you're, uh, that you're betting on and what ones don't, you know, I think you, Caitlin, you probably see that at like Turfway and Churchill. There are some people who love oh, Churchill yeah. and there are some horses that just cannot stand it, you know, and, and, and to me, that's a huge, huge thing to see who's, who's run well on what track and who hasn't, you know, because I think it makes a big difference when you're looking at, at uh, races, especially big days where like, you know, if a, if a horse is run, uh, maybe when they're coming towards the Derby or when they're coming towards the, what horses run, it's kind of hard at Pimlico because not all, everyone runs there, but Belmont and, and uh, who's run well at Belmont, who hasn't, you know, because it makes such a difference there. I always tell people there are horses that love Belmont and hate Saratoga and there are horses that love Saratoga and hate Belmont, you know, and, and, and uh, some people get the confused and say, oh, look at that horse. He's won two races in a row and allowance. He's really improving. Then he gets up to Saratoga, he finishes sixth. But you look at his stats and he's like, oh, for four at Saratoga. You're like, okay, clearly he's a Belmont horse, you know? So, so here's, so those, here's a good question for you. Yeah. For your mm -hmm. um, you know, you're speaking of the fact that, oh, this horse is, you know, oh, for X amount of races. How many races is it before you decide that that track just doesn't work for him? Is it one? Is it two? Is it, is it at least three? How many? I I think it also depends on who he ran against. Like sometimes you see a horse is like 0 for 4, but let's say he's in a, a claiming 30,000 and he was running in a 92,000 allowance and he kept coming in fifth and sixth. Well, naturally the group he was he was going against was better than the group he's in, in now, you know? So, but but usually for me, it's it's, I would say four. That would, would be a good, a real good, uh, three or four would be a real good thing saying he just doesn't like that track. How about you, Kayla? Uh, I definitely agree with that. That's something that's come into play so much with Turfway, especially and Churchill, too, because you know, you look at he's absolutely right. There's some horses that like Churchill, there's some horses that absolutely hate it, and I really don't know why that is because I think it's a really 
pretty traditional dirt surface. I've, you know, been on the dirt surface plenty of times. I don't really think there's anything about it that I touch it. I'm like, wow, this is crazy. You know, there's just something that feels so different about it. Like Belmont's really sandy. There's a couple that are different, but Churchill, I think is just pretty run of the mill, but there's some horses that hate it. And you'll see that literally every day. And a lot of these, you know, tried and true claimer or allowance level horses, many of them have run there. But if you have, you know, say a horse coming in from California, coming up from, you know, Oaklawn or something like that, that's never ran there, you know, even if that horse maybe is a class above, I have, I'll maybe throw the horse in if I think the horse could be live and is really that good. But you have to really have hesitations about horses like that at those two tracks specifically, like you saying, Keeneland, not as much because the horses seem to win at Keeneland and then we'll win other places too. And we'll, you know, sure. kind of be a little bit more consistent, but Churchill and Turfway are two really big ones. You know, I, that's something I've really noticed doing this for the last year is really seeing, Hey, there's obviously something different about these tracks. I'm, I'm always shocked at how, how, um, the turf form for Belterra and Alice Park carry over to Kentucky Downs. Like, yeah, every, I feel like fa- everything. Can carry, I feel like everything you know locally will carry on to Kentucky Downs and be decent. Yeah, I I, I agree with that wholeheartedly. I, I I actually for the first time last year started following the Ellis turf races you know what i'm saying partly because uh, like norm and those guys had horses in it but also as you said uh, andy which is so right it it goes right over to, uh, to kentucky downs you know what i'm saying if they can run at ellis you know it, exactly they can they can run at kentucky downs you know and uh and they're, they're worth definitely those maidens which are getting better and better because the horses are getting better and better and those turf races, and the, and it, the, it's really carrying over to, to the Kentucky Downs meet. Yeah, those uh, Belterra, those Belterra races are sneaky good with those horses that run well. That may not run against tough company at Belterra, will get overlooked. But if you go back far enough and you see that they have Kentucky Downs form, and you see that they've been running well, those are the, also the ones that you need to to kind of like make a note of like mm-hmm. down the line sure, sure. absolutely and it goes and you know one thing and maybe uh you would know more you probably know more than i do about saratoga because as much as i love saratoga i know sometimes i go off a of bias when it comes mm-hmm. to saratoga so some of the some of the angles i play there are not necessarily what i'll play elsewhere but you know it's Chad Brown training at, you know, at the uh, training track. Sure. Right before they go and run it, run at Saratoga at the main track. Or if he's training on the train, if he's training on the main track, you not necessarily want to play that horse. And if he's coming in from Monmouth, you definitely don't want to play that horse. And if, you know, it's just so many different angles to use at certain tracks. And I know Caitlin's good at, at finding those do you have any angles that that you think are worth playing at at places like woodbine or saratoga that that would help others out um me in terms of woodbine 
Yes. Uh, Wood, Woodbine is always on the most part. I will say this, like, obviously there are some days uh, that uh, the track will be different, mostly speed. And you have to be close, you know, uh, at least coming around the turn to really have a, I mean, you can make that, that late kick, but at least be close around the turn that you can make that kick to, you know what I mean? To, because very rarely, mostly speed holds, you know, um, on the turf course, it's a, it's a little bit different. It all depends on like the conditions. The turf course can be fairly even, especially if you have really good horses running against each other. Um, you, you see all the internationals. You can obviously it helps to have uh, early speed up there. But um, but if you're a good horse, you can you can close. But um, yeah, but it, speed definitely if you have uh if you can rate if you can it'll be fascinating to see declan carroll's up there now and and i'll, I'll be fascinating to see how he adapts to the i think he'll do very well up there he's still smartly just taking mounts right now trying to learn you know the track and everything which is which is great they just start their turf races on thursday but um but to have that be able to kind of rate and be right off the the pace that's like the ideal thing it would bind you know but it speed speed much more than than closers a lot of people love to bet closers and they're just too far behind i absolutely love 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 Kaz uh at woodbine uh he's he's just incredible I, i thought he was a great bug rider and now that he's lost his bug he's still he's still good and, oh, Kazushi's uh, he's an awesome kid too. And you know what's great too is if you watch him and Caitlin, I'm sure you got to see him, right? Yep. There was one, there was one race I'll never forget, right? You know, everyone remembers wins. You know what I'm saying? Every, everyone remembers when the jockeys win, right? I actually messaged Kazushi um, after the race. There was one race at Turfway, right? And his horse was on the lead, and he got passed. You know. And usually that's the time when the horse quits. You know what I'm saying? Like he got passed around the turn. Kazushi rode out the race like he was in a $500,000 race and kept second by like a length. You know what I'm saying? And that shows his love of racing, but also his passion to do well. You know what I'm saying? I mean, most, most people, sometimes the horse would quit. He rode that horse so hard to get second. You know what I'm saying? And if you're the connections, you got to love a jockey like that. But he does it every single race. You know, he just loves riding. He said he could ride on the moon if he wanted to. You know what I mean? He said, and he'd be ha- and he'd be happy. He's a great kid, but he's got an awesome work ethic. And it's definitely showing up at Woodbine on both the turf and uh, the poly track. And to me, to me, to me, Woodbine is like an enigma to me, like in all honesty. It sure. frustrates me more than Turfway does. <laughs> and now that Turfway like changes the track, nine out of ten times I just want to throw my computer out the window anytime I see Turfway or Woodbine. Because I just I'd be better off not even like looking at the form and just picking off of what they look like. Um, because I'm just so off sometimes it's not even funny. 
maybe this is more for Caitlin, but what are some of the things you look for in, in a polytrack horse? I would definitely say when it comes to Turfway, there's specific breeding. Um, obviously, past form at the track, even though Turfway's you know, track has changed a little bit over the past couple of years. It's gone from Tapita to regular poly and back and forth several times. But I, breeding has a lot to do with it, um, where they're coming from, trainers that are specifically, you know, training on the poly. Like, that's the meat where they train. That's where they keep their horses for that year. I don't like a lot of shippers coming in at Turfway just because it usually just doesn't work if, unless they have that turfway form in the past. So a lot of horses that are stable, there are really the ones you want to go with, but I noticed, oh, excuse me, several, <laughs> <laughs> several stallions at um, turfway. Um, I, the factor is a huge one. Money. Yes. Um, yes. Bates towns love poly track. Yeah. Yes. Big time. So, I really always consider those even at a price and it has absolutely been to my benefit. Um, I'm trying, Uncle Mo's usually do well there and so did into mischief just because they'll really run on anything. I'm trying to think of some other ones that particularly Lemon stick drops, out. Lemon Drop Kids run pretty well. They do, but Lemon Drop Kids are kind of few and far between these days. Yeah. I feel like in, I will English channels will run pretty well on, tur on the poly track. I really look for lemon drop kid, horses out of a lemon drop kid mare if they don't have a super favorable stallion line for the poly tracks. I think that's something that definitely stands out. Same could probably be said with English Channel. One that um, actually stood out to me is doing really well on the poly track that I think is going to keep doing well for years to come was actually Cupid, which yes. is shocking to me. Yes. Absolutely. And, and you know what, Caitlin, you also appreciate this. There's one horse, like when people all say to me, oh, polytrack's all the same. No, it's so, so not. There's one horse that you'll remember, Skywire, mm -hmm. right, from Mark Casse. He can't, I haven't seen him run a good race at Turfway yet. He just doesn't seem to, his, his motor just doesn't seem to go on Turfway. But then he comes back right up to Woodbine the other day at like five to one. Right, because everyone looks at his turf waveform, right? Yeah, and exact, and he just comes right back to Woodmine, right, right through them like he wasn't even standing still, like they were standing still. You know, he gets to Woodmine, he loves it. He gets to Turfway, and just somehow his motor just does not turn the same way. It, it, it actually surprises people, but this is something that I really, really had to learn the hard way because. You know, I had obviously bet on synthetic tracks before, but as far as handicapping it every single day for four months straight, I really learned more about it than I ever thought I would. But woodbine shipping into Turfway is not a good angle. It's Turfway not at all. Into, nope. Turfway shipping into woodbine is much better. Much better. The other way. Absolutely. It, it, the woodbine shippers just have a real tough time in Turfway for some reason. They start. They start out well, and then you're like in the, and then and then and then they just don't do anything, you know. I'll give you an angle that completely screwed me over once they moved the, the turf course, or not the turf course. Once they changed the racing surface at, at uh, Turfway. When it used to get really really cold, the track would play super super fast, and if you had any horse that was less than a half length from the lead, he would win. 
and yep. that changed. So because now that when it gets really, really cold, the truck it's the doesn't, opposite. <laughs> doesn't doesn't ice up anymore. It doesn't get yeah. hard like it used to. And that frustrates me because it took me four months to figure that out. And I blame Caitlin. It, it still gets it still gets a little cold in places. It'll still kind of clot up and freeze a little bit, but I it has to be like below zero. And that was one thing that used to tick me off on, you know, social media is I had, you know, announced on Twitter that we were canceling for the night. They're like, this is an all weather track. I'm like, do you see eight inches of snow on the ground? You know, obviously the track is at least a little bit affected, but we have to get the jockeys and, you know, the trainers and the help to the track because not a lot of people are living on the track right now since it's under construction. So a lot of times the surface is not the problem. It's getting to and from, it's getting to and from Florence. um, Exactly. The middle of winter. Yeah, absolutely. Same same with Woodbine. Woodbine. Like, oh, they could have run. I'm like, yeah, okay. (laughs) The people got to get to the track, folks. There's there's tons of snow on the ground. (laughs) And, and And the other problem with Woodbine is there's really no housing close by to Woodbine unless that changed over the last 15 years from the last time I was there. Yeah, they, they are, they're, they're closer than they used to be. They are there. There is some housing up there, you know, which is what that's, that's improved up there, you know, but, but the, uh, but, but still just to get everybody in out and, and, and for some people too, what they don't realize is that some, uh, you know, are still on the farms their, their farms aren't that far away from Woodbine, you know what I'm saying? So to get the, to get the people to uh, to and from uh, is that it's not that easy. <laughs> no, and people just really, you know, I've learned obviously don't understand that that it's you know not it's not the surface. It's the fact that we have to get there, and you know, I wasn't on tur- on site as tur- at Turfway as much because it's under construction and weather sure. and COVID. This year, right plan on being on track much 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 more this coming year but I'm a person like me that lives an hour and change away like how am I supposed to get there on these back roads and stuff like that and you know Jimmy the same thing with him our chart callers so it's yeah I mean there's so much that goes into it and I, I just think people just kind of like really don't understand that it's not necessarily the surface it's like hey you know we we got to get there and people are like well people don't live on track no i don't live on the track (laughs) right right well uh, yeah and i mean there's not really any i mean i haven't been to turfway parking i mean like i haven't been on the back stretch of turfway parking there's not hardly any housing especially because you know of all the construction going on there was never a lot of housing to begin with so a lot of people you know live and a lot of the help live in paid for apartments around there so uh, i don't know Um, hopefully it'll be something that people understand a little bit more as we you know open the new facility and what have you which by the way will be done in september 1st is the grand opening so fantastic well i'll be there 10 days after that they open well go and Play your slots, go to the OTB there, and enjoy. I'll just play my OTB. I'm not playing the slots. No, I probably won't either. But, I mean, it's going to be a really 
nice looking place, have restaurants inside and just kind of, uh, I'm happy for them. And I really, they really, really, really needed, I, I will say, um, they, they really needed what happened with the Derby turfway form being franked and just turfway horses winning in general at Keeneland a ton, winning at Churchill a ton. I think that's really going to boost everything. I think the, uh, they might wait, wait another year to see if they're going to upgrade the Jeff Ruby in, um, graded stakes. I would be surprised if they upgraded it just, um, off of what happened this year, but the purse is going up to a million dollars and it's yeah. going to keep it's 100 point status. I mean, obviously the Derby winner came out of there and all three horses that finished in the trifecta ran in the top 10. So it's keeping its points. It's going to a million dollars and the turfway purses are just going to keep climbing and climbing and climbing. I really think it will kind of have a similar feel to like a longer Kentucky downs type of meet. That's how the tur- that's how high the purses will be. I mean, the, the one thing that's kind of frustrating with just, I mean, in general, uh, you know, off air, Sean was mentioning the whole, well, if they would have been, if they would have been able to get the casino on Suffolk Downs property, they, the likelihood of it still being alive would, would be pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, 100%. So the question, the question now remains like with Kentucky, especially, especially some of these, especially Churchill, who, who actually put their money into, Think, trying to get wagering, like sports wagering involved. And obviously they pulled completely out of that. But if sports wagering gets gets approved in Kentucky within the next couple of years, that's another added bonus for money going to all those racetracks. Oh, absolutely. Kentucky horse racing with the slots and the prospect of sports betting come in especially, you know, with Churchill revamping Turfway and hopefully Ellis can get a facelift soon and everything that's happened with Kentucky Downs. The stuff with Kentucky racing has never been better. I mean, full fields and, I mean, I just feel like it's in a spot right now. But, I mean, that's something they could obviously flip on a dime. How much do you guys both feel that California being on an island and, you know, getting rid of basically Santa Anita saying up, Baltus is persona non grata now, and um, all and you know to some extent Baffert, you know, pretty much running the place. Does that have an effect on horses coming east? Well, we have the Richard Baltus horses at Churchill. I'll tell you that <laughs> they are they're there. There's a couple that have already ran. And I've seen plenty of them schooling in the paddocks uh, during the day. I I will tell you. I think it's very strange that um, everything that happened with Jerry Hollendorfer and Richard Baltus, but, you know, things with Baffert, I guess, are allowed to fly, and Peter Miller left on his own merit. They didn't kick him out. So I've always thought that that was just incredibly, I don't know what the word is for it, because, I mean, it's their prerogative. They know things, you know, we don't know, and I really respect the people that run Santa Anita, so I, I trust their judgment. But I've always found that to be kind of counterproductive, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Where are they going to get the horses? I mean. Yeah. yeah because I mean, those are the 
some of your guys that not only have graded stakes winning horses, they have claiming horses, they have maidens, they have allowance horses, they make up a ton of the entries. So you can't just run a bunch of grade one Bafferts and expect it to survive. Eventually, everybody will be kicked out at this rate, it seems like, because I never thought they would tell two big names like that, hey, we'll be seeing you. I mean, yeah. And maybe you guys can can agree or disagree with me on this, but how much of it do you guys feel like with the Hollendorfer deal, if it was another horse other than Battle of Midway, do you think he would have been kicked out? That's a great question. Yeah, it's a great question, but I don't think it's his fault with what happened with Battle of Midway. I mean, Battle of Midway came back and was decent after being retired a year to stud, but I mean, it's statistically proven you should never bring a horse back from right. stallion duties back to the racetrack. Cause I can think of another one. Um, the last lion over in Europe, they did the same thing. He was fatally injured a few months ago. It's just, it's a recipe for disaster. So Hollendorfer took the horse back because Windstar gave the horse back to him. That's not his fault. Yeah. I, 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 Santa Anita saw that. I mean, that was the last straw for Santa Anita. Yeah. Because of all I, I do agree with Andy. I do agree with Andy on the fact that if it was just, if it was one of the Hollendorfer's 25 maiden claimers, you know what I'm saying? It, it doesn't get the story that, that Battle of Midway because of his notoriety got, you know what I'm saying? That what fair, you know what I'm saying? I, I will, I will say that that didn't help that he was known. You know what I'm saying? I don't think that helped his cause. You know, like like you know, they may, they might have given a little more slack if it was like a twenty thousand maiden claimer, you know, instead of Battle of Midway, who everybody immediately on, on Twitter knew, you know, and then became, you know. So I think that didn't help him. Yeah, all. and I mean, you could segue back to us supposedly having a super safe Breeders' Cup there, but nobody got in trouble for the fact that Mongolian groom was lame and somehow slipped through all these cracks right. and was able to run in the classic. And who was, who was the, the, the blame for that? Who was the vet that was supposed to be the vet that was supposed to clear all those horses? I, to be honest, I, I really don't have a clue. Yeah, I don't either. Exactly. I did because see Kate. I mean, not, not only is it on the vet to, you know, clear or not clear these horses, but I'm sorry. The trainers have to know too. Right, right. Well, who who trained it? That was um, Santa. Uh, Anna, right? Yeah. 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 I did. I did notice, Caitlin, that um, what do you call our friends? The Ammermans brought admission office back to Churchill. Mm-hmm. You yep. know. He uh, is back this week. Yeah, I, I saw. I saw him back on the work tab. You know. A funny story, my dad, back when he was young, used to work at a company named Warner Lambert. And and dad was one of the heads of, of the their advertising. And his boss was John Ammerman. Wow. Back in the day. Exactly. So they're, always, they're very they're very nice people. And they, they are, they are two I mean, of the nicest people you'll ever meet. One thing I really appreciate about them, and I, I could definitely say the same thing about Peter Brandt, as well as the Clarevich people and the um, the Winchells, um, is they want to run their horses, not just run them to breed them. 
they let their horses usually have at least a four-year-old campaign, sometimes a five-year-old campaign and so on. They're running their horses because they want to run them. And I think this country needs so much more of that. So I will give you guys three guesses who the, who the, uh, who the uh, Breeders' Cup doctor was uh, the day of Mongolian groom's passing. I couldn't guess it because I literally don't know any of those vets out there. I, I don't know any of them. So I'll, I'll give you guys a hint. He's currently on administrative leave from the CHRB. Yeah, I don't know. What I, I, I don't know doctors, unfortunately. So Dr. Jeff Blaya was the one that was over. Oh, wow. Really? Yeah. Wow. Hmm. He's, he's having Again, he does that. nothing wrong in the eyes of the Bafford community, but I digress. Um, <laughs> uh, By the way, I'm so excited about Oscar performance babies this year. He, I think he's gotten a, at least one or two winners already. He, he did. He did the one that, um, what do you call it? The for very first day at Churchill, he had the two in the one race and Flavian rode the one that just came from like dead last and just shot like a cannon up to win uh, going away, you know? Was Ward the I, trainer? Uh, yes, both. Uh, no, no, Ward, <laughs> Ward was, yeah, Ward had both. Yes, he did. Yeah, he had both. Yeah. And uh, Johnny was on, Johnny was on um, Heedley, you know, Heedley Bell, the one that's named after Heedley. And then the one that, the one was, no, 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 that was Wayne Catalano had, had the other. Yeah, say, yeah Wayne had Yeah, Wayne had the sure. Oscar performance baby that shot out a cannon with Flavian Road and just blew the doors off the field. But exactly, that one could be a real, that could be a real horse to watch he was he was really good but it's, it's gonna be fun to see his babies run this year i honestly and um i know this is bad but i honestly put absolutely no stock into early baby races until november until until september october i just i just can't i mean a lot of those horses that run early on you you rarely see them run again and if you do see them run again they're running for for Maiden 32s, Maiden 20s, Maiden 15s. And, um, you know, I, me personally, I wouldn't mind seeing them push back two-year-old racing until, like, mid-May and let them develop a little more. That's just me, though. I mean... I really start paying attention around summertime, you know, when we see some breaking their maidens late in the Churchill meet, yeah. um, late in the Belmont meet, Saratoga... LS Saratoga. is a good place. But Saratoga especially because a lot of the trainers point for that meet, right? Sure. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, yeah the West Wesley Ward has kind of become the new D Wayne Lucas now of like of like April and May two year olds. <laughs> you know, exactly. And then and then you wonder, are they gonna still be running when they're, you know, when they're <laughs> He thinks he's got a pretty serious one with uh, Love Reigns. Yeah. I was talking to him about her the other day. He's particularly excited about her, taking her to Royal Ascot. Yeah, very, very excited. Yeah. Caitlin's already starting to, like, salivate over Royal Ascot. Oh, 
this is the first year that it's becoming international again. Australian horses are going, Japanese horses are going, Hong Kong horses, plenty of American horses. So this is this is going to be the best Royal Ascot we've had in some time. I'd say this year will probably be the best year we've had since uh, Franklin won the Queen Anne and Black Caviar won the uh, Golden Jubilee that year. So right. Have you um, have you have you uh, looked at the probables yet for for Royal Ascot? Out of curiosity. Um, they have entries, and then of course it, it's different over there. They're not probables; they're entries. Horses hold an yeah. entry, and then they are declarations when they draw the races. I've looked at some of them. I've seen some of the U.S. runners. I know the Japanese horses just got over there today. And the Australian horses got there a couple of days ago and the U S horses should be leaving, I'd say within the week. So I'm kind of looking to see who ships in before I get too excited, but I have seen a decent amount of the entries and I'd say there's 10 to 15 horses from the States going over. I, I was uh, looking at it the other day. Uh, and the entries for the queen Anne is filthy. It is. It and is I think I think I think unfortunately they're all racing for second place. <laughs> uh you are you taking real world or order of Australia? For this year? Yeah. Order of Australia, why would he be back in training? He's back. He's entered. I thought they long retired that horse. No, uh Baid for sure. Yeah, I think Baid's going to be one bad man. Is that, yeah. I, I think sure. Baid's the best horse Europe's seen since Frankel. Yeah, it could very well be. I just love, you know, speaking of which, what do you call it? Because we always joke, Wesley Ward used to ride, obviously, at Suffolk with Stewie Elliott and those guys when he was a apprentice. You know, and um, I loved when he would, um, and I remember he got, like, what is he doing? When he was first going to Ascot and he brought all his horses to River Downs and trained them on the River Downs turf course because he said, that's the closest to Ascot I can get over here. And then and then he, then he brought them over and they all ran well. I love how he thinks outside the box. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's I like I like Wesley a lot. He's he's a strange dude in a lot of ways, but he's brilliant. He just thinks outside the box. He it, it it's it's so fun to see, you know. He really does. And then he and and just the way that he he looks at races. He's now brought interesting. I think this is good for Woodbine. Is that uh, this year? Unlike that last year, obviously with the COVID and everything, he's brought up horses. Uh, Jonathan Thomas now has a big group up at Woodbine and Trombetta, Michael Trombetta has brought horses up to Woodbine. And I think that's going to make their races, especially the bigger ones, because obviously you'd have like a seven horse race. Three of them would be Kase. You know what I'm saying? Then, then you'd have four other ones with those guys coming up with their horses. I think the stakes races this year up there are going to be a lot more even with those guys coming up with their horses. Oh, I mean Trombetta's Trombetta's Trombetta. Trombetta's brilliant with with uh with synthetic horses. 
He is. He, re he really is. He's low-key scary good on it. Um, so, yeah, I agree. I agree that bringing them up is is uh, something to look at. Um, by the way, Modern Games has entered in the St. James Palace stakes, Caitlin. Um, I saw that. The St. James Palace might end up being the best race on the card because I believe um, uh, Caribus and what's the other one? For the dolphin that won another Guineas the other day, um, sheesh. So Coriabus, uh, Dubawi Legend, isn't it? Has entered uh, light infantry. As we're doing this um, and talking, you must be sending the other one. I'm thinking of because My it's Prospero, not crazy. Native Trail. No. Native Trail. Hansdale is running too. Hmm, interesting. I thought he was hurt. He might be. I mean, you know, I'm just going by what's what's on here. So I'm just mm -hmm. going off of the briefings here. By the way, how cool was that the Itaki Taki won his sixth Japanese Derby at 53 in the fourth decade? That's, That's one of one of the goats. He's right up there with Frankie Detour for me is the greatest of my lifetime. Uh, Absolutely. Absolutely, Caitlin. Couldn't agree more. I, I love Go ahead. Yeah, I actually won a race overseas. I actually put that I said miracles will happen. I'm like, I looked at the field. I said, this horse do uh, do. I said, it's Yataki. The horse closed well right on the race before I needs a little bit more ground. Boom. He he he's just amazing. The way he can put horses in a position. I know Lamar and those guys are just unbelievable, but Yataki just puts horses in a spot to win, and I love it. You know, he's timeless. He's he's just a he's an absolutely timeless rider, and I I guess um, they're taking Doe Deuce to um, he's going to have a little bit of time off, and they're going to take him to um, Longchamp for the Arc. Oh, that's great! Yeah, yeah, because he said even Yataki said he said I look forward to riding him versus Internationals best. You know, and that's that's really cool. Exactly what he was talking about. So what if you know? what if what if I told you that little known Yataka Take, right? Mm -hmm. When he first started was riding in the States. I he was knew at Santa Anita, yeah. He was yeah. a bug boy at Santa Anita. Yeah. He got that's homesick. That's where he got his feet wet. Yeah. yeah. He got homesick really quickly though. Yeah, exactly. He also yeah. wasn't getting a lot of mounts. So. No, no, but he was also homesick too. Yeah. In terms of yeah, so that but yeah, he wasn't getting a lot of mounts yet with that with that colony, you know. <laughs> yeah, but I remember him in Santa Anita. I remember seeing him there, you know. He rode a horse I used to rub called Ashtabula, and uh, she ran second. Corey Nakatani beat us at ten to one, but I still remember that race. I'm still I'm still a little salty on that one. Uh, Sia Serenity ran fourth that day, FYI. That's that's a great question for both of you, right? Obviously, I know we had a big mouth. I actually put it on Twitter, right? I know we had a big mouth. <laughs> that that we know all too well. Anyway, exactly. In 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 your guys' mind, does does Corey Nakatani belong in the Hall of Fame? Yes. 
I, I, I definitely think he does. And if you want to put on his plaque, he had a big mouth. And <laughs> you know, it's can, kind of can, I, can I abstain because of of how much I know about him? <laughs> yeah, yeah. See, right, right, yeah, right, yeah. You can. Right? It's like, so here, here's the deal. Can have you? I think I've told. I think I've told Caitlin the story. I think I've told it a couple times, but. I still remember back at Del Mar in like '92. Corey's an avid golfer, right? Nakatani. Yeah, he's one of the best. Yeah, one of the best I've ever I've ever golfed with. Sure. And um, he went to his he went to his agent, who at the time was Bob Maldell, yeah. and he told he told Bob he goes he goes I want you to not book me for any horses Friday, Saturday, or Sunday. And Bob's like, what are you talking about? Those are like the big stake races. Why aren't you booking? Why don't you want to be booked on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday? And Corey goes, I'm joining the amateur golfers tour. And Bob goes, uh, okay. And like, all of a sudden, there's like no comment, nothing. And then all of a sudden, Corey looks at Bob and goes, how much you think I'm going to make? And Bob just like looks over at him and goes, Nothing, you dumb son of a bitch. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> like right. It's amateur for a reason. You make no money. So, so Corey's like, "Oh, f that." Then I'm not going to go golfing. Just put me on everything. It's like, <laughs> I, like, really, seriously, like, ugh, that drives me nuts. That one, that one, and the and the shoemaker one, where shoemaker and him were riding when he was a buck boy, and shoemaker's like head in head with him at Santa Anita and Shoemaker looks over at him and goes, so you think you're going to win this race? And Nakatani looks back and says, yeah, I'm going to beat you. And he goes, all right, I'll see you at the finish line. And Shoe opens up three on him. And it's like, you can't make that stuff up with him. Yeah, no. the same token, is he a good rider? Yes. Is he getting, is he getting slammed for being such a POS as a human? Yes. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And that's the way it's going to be until people forget about his transgressions and the way he treats people. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. One of my favorite stories about Corey Nakatani was I was at the Florida Derby and I just, uh, I was, oh, and it was when Rick Pitino had Celtic pride stables, right? When he was, when he was with us and uh, what do you call it? I'll never forget. We were staying at the Marriott, right? Like it, it's it's right next to Gulfstream, you know, right? You know exactly. And what do you call it? And and Dad and I are, are on the bit. All of a sudden, we hear this boom, 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 boom. It's like it's like the day before the Florida Derby. And it's like two, three in the morning, right? And <laughs> what do you call it? It's it's Corey Nakatani and his entourage coming into the hotel at like two, three in the morning. Right. And and they were, let's just say they were having a good time, you know, and it was the Florida Derby the next day. I said, uh, Dad, I'm not been off the board every single race. I was like, oh, good Lord. Exactly. I said, you got the biggest race in the, in the day the next day. And he's and he, his rod drives up until like three in the morning, which is probably like, I'm like, yep. That's the, he, that's the way he was. That's the way he was. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It just shows, you know. And, you know, I also, also personally, 
because of the way the way he handled the whole Michelle Delassi divorce, I, I'm not a fan of him. So yeah, no, that, of, that's why a lot of bitterness against him. Yeah, I hear you. That that's why I say definitely he belongs in, but I I just think the bitterness that the 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 resentment will just be too you know too big to overcome. But when you win that many Breeders' Cups, I'm just saying on a on a riding level, yeah. He, to me, he was one of the best turf riders for a decade. You know, in terms of the way he could ride in that turf. You know, but yeah. you know so. There's a steal on horses too. That man's been thrown around, thrown off horses so many times and still kept coming. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, again, you know, the writer part of him, I totally get. But it but it's gonna go down to like is Kent in the hall yet? Yeah. Does Armo? Let me look. I don't know. No, no. Uh Kent's ever gonna get in the Hall of Fame either. To be yeah. honest. If he's yeah. not in, he's not getting in. No, I, I, he is in. I think DeSormo is in. Isn't is Calvin in? I don't think so. I don't think so. Okay, no. Okay, he's, he's in the hall of fame. Who yeah, is? Kent. It's Kent. Okay, so Kent's in there. I, he's been I in love for almost twenty years. Yeah, Calvin's not in it. No, yes, Calvin's he is. In it. Yeah, he's in. That's what I thought. So wait a minute. <laughs> okay, so strike it, strike it from the records that I do not know who's in the Hall of Fame. Oh, yeah, because Calvin went in a couple of years ago. So I'm like, oh, yeah, good lord. My yeah, Ken's been in those 20 years. Okay, never mind. Never mind. Disregard. Yeah, exactly. As long as Joe goes in there, I'm good. He is. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know Gogo's in there. That's why I said that. I'm happy that Gogo's in there. He deserves that, it. He does. Wouldn't, wouldn't be a hall without him. No. I will. I will say this to the to to, to the day I I die. Right. If any other jockey, it, and I, I really believe this, is on blame, Zenyatta passes him. You know what I'm saying? But but Gogo got blame. To that line, it would shows how strong she was. But Gogo was so strong and got blamed to that line. You know, yeah, and, and yeah, I agree. I, I totally agree. Um, and I will say this about him: there's that guy was so knowledgeable about hockey. He was knowledge. He was so great, Caitlin. You would I don't know if you ever got to meet him or speak with him. Go -Go I think I did my, a couple of times. Yes. Gogo was one of one of my friends, and um, his daughter's but, a very good friend of mine. Who? His daughter. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. His ex-wife is a good friend of mine too. Oh, um, Pam. Uh, but uh, unbelievable! You could talk to him about hockey, and he was a big Blackhawks fan. Like diehard Blackhawks fan. Diehard man. Full blown diehard, loved it. Loved gave Blackhawks. me cr gave me crap when the when the Blackhawks beat the Bruins in the last like two two seconds. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, before we wrap it up, I got to know something. How how are you involved with the? How were you involved with the Celtics and the Bruins? My my dad used to sell all the advertising around the garden. 
So he, uh, back in the day, um, this is when it was the, the old garden, you know, uh, what do you call it? Yeah, he was, but he it was, was called the garden, not the, the garden. garden. Exactly. <laughs> right. Not the, not the fleet center or the whatever your TD bank North now, or, you know, <laughs> it, when it was just called the garden. Exactly. And, uh, and that was, that was fun when, uh, what do you call it? Um, yeah. So he, he sold all the advertising the one the one one of my greatest thrills was being i got to be the ball boy when the lakers came into town versus the celtics and that was pretty darn cool with magic and and kareem and and worthy and all those guys that was pretty cool but and the bruins working for the for the lakers and the kings back then too and it was pretty it was pretty cool i don't like the lakers anymore uh, yeah, and it was kind of a, you'll, you'll laugh at this because Andy Walton, who was Bill Walton's little brother, who worked for the Lakers, and then Bill was on the Celtics. So it was kind of, you know, <laughs> so it was kind of exactly. I, I know Caitlin knows who Bill Walton is, right? Probably not. No, I don't. No, really? no, no, no. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not a big basketball person at all. Never have been. Let me let me put it to you this way. I think Caitlin, if she was born in our era, Sean, yeah, she probably would have been a big Walton fan, right? Because he was so like carefree and didn't care laid about back. Anything, yeah, laid back, didn't care about what anybody thought of them. Like the only person Rachel that ever, the only person that ever was able to say anything to him and and have him change was Coach Wooden, right? Yep. Yeah, he came in with like a beard and puffy hair, bandana, and coach Wooden said, "You're going to shave the beard, or you're going to be off my team." And Walton went and shaved the beard. Yeah, absolutely. He, he That's what my dad tells all his baseball players. What? Yep. Huh? What? Yeah. Why? Because if you want to play, you got to look professional and can't be having mullets and look like shit. There goes our explicit rating. <laughs> <laughs> it's just kids' discipline. Like, I get it. Yeah. Look, I mean, look the part, play the part, you know? Exactly. I mean, Amen. I admire when I played, that. I played high school soccer. My hair was all the way down to my shoulders. Like... I had to have it that way. That's how all the players were doing it back then. I had to do it. Right. And, you know, I don't know. I just don't think that the way you, the way you shave or anything like that makes you any better when it comes to sports, I think. Right. No, it doesn't, but it definitely takes away. It definitely is a look at me factor and look at me. Kids are super hard to discipline. And I mean, if you want to be taken seriously, you're going to roll up to a game looking like a scrub. I guess. All right. (laughs) You're like, well, when you put it that way. Yeah, I guess. (laughs) All right, Caitlin, you want to finish up and take us out and let everybody know what we're doing the next couple of weeks? Sounds good. Have a lot going on with our aviary podcast network, as well as the goat zoo room and many other places got the Belmont coming up and Royal Ascot coming up. So plenty of things. Uh, Belmont is next week and then 
for us about to fall in week. So back to back to back to back, just tons of good you, stuff. And then we'll set it off in the summer with Saratoga and much else. Do you want to tell them what we're doing for for um, Royal Ascot, or do you just want to kind of keep it under wraps and just we'll pop it? keep it under wraps and leave it to mystery for a while until until we're you know centered on it and really have like a concrete plan. All right. All right. Well, thanks, Sean, for being here. Oh, thank you both, guys. This has been such a, a, a fun time and an honor to be with both of you. Thank you very much.